0: especially for Claire, who for the last 18 months has been like a kid waiting for Christmas morning. I've had a regular drip, drip, drip of comments like, it's only nine months till my sister's here. It's only six months till my sister's here. It's only three months till my sister's here. It's only two weeks till my sister's here. It's only a week till my sister's here. here. This time tomorrow my sister will be here. (laughs) I hate to tell you, Anthony, Ronnie, Stanley and Jay, that you barely featured, it was just your mum. (laughs) You guys are just window dressing for Karen. (laughs) Lots of you will have an advent calendar, and you've been opening that over the last few weeks, um, every day since the 1st of December, counting down the days till Christmas finally arrives next Sunday. And and Claire has basically had a Karen calendar in her head, counting down the days until her sister arrived. And it's not been for, for 24 days, it's been for 24 months we've had to have this kind of going on. And the rest of us have had to watch her open the doors in her of her karen calendar in her in her mind as she's got more and more excited as the days and the months and the weeks have gone by and and something that's made this whole trip and countdown even more special was the news that ronnie gave his life to jesus way back in uh, 2021 which you've heard earlier from ronnie himself his own story due to the incredibly strict uh, covid restrictions in new zealand ronnie initially wasn't able to attend a church so i was meeting with him on zoom and we're still kind of doing that from time to time and we've been able to do some bible studies together and we've worked through the following jesus discipleship course and ronnie decided that he would like to be baptized that was a good thing but he said well i'd like to do it in england with you guys when we come over that'd be fantastic that would be amazing so we were obviously really delighted to be able to make that happen only it's turned out to be on the coldest day of the year the coldest sunday of the year I think Ronnie might be regretting getting baptised in England on the, on the coldest December, uh, Sunday there's been. If you were in New Zealand, the average temperature this week in Auckland is 20 degrees, just to make you feel really fed up and depressed. And when you're programming your, uh, your heating later on today, trying to keep the house above freezing, try not to get too envious of the fact that it never drops below 15 degrees all year round in Auckland. Well, it's been an epic countdown for the Reddings family to arrive from New Zealand and and there's been so much planning going in to make it happen, but as exciting as the countdown has been, and as much as I've tried to enter into the amazing excitement of having 14 people in my house on Christmas Day, (laughs) with all due respect to the Reddings family, It is nothing compared to the greatest countdown that this world has ever seen, the greatest countdown in history. Because as we read through the Bible, we read about the most important countdown of all, the countdown to the arrival of Jesus, God's one and only son, when he was born 2,000 years ago. The whole of the Old Testament of the Bible, which is the bit that was written before Jesus was born, is basically a massive advent calendar counting down the days until the arrival of the long-promised Jesus. The whole of the Bible is like a collection of WhatsApp messages from God to humanity telling us that his special one, his son, his one and only son, God himself in actual fact is going to come into this world. The Bible begins with the book of Genesis which means beginnings and it tells us how God created our ancestors, Adam and Eve and everything when God created the world was perfect but then Satan came along and and, and in Genesis we read that Satan appears to Adam and Eve in the form of a snake. And he deceived Eve, and then Eve led Adam astray, and then they both disobeyed God, the one thing they were asked not to do. And sin entered into the world. And Joel was talking with us earlier, or for us earlier, about sin and the effects of sin. And ever since that day, the perfect world that God had created for us to live in has been an absolute mess. Just flick the news on and see what a mess this world is in. Illness, death, wars, family breakdown, addictions dishonesty and greed to name just a bit of a few sin came into the world and every single human being that has ever been born except for jesus since god created adam and eve has been born as a sinner separated from god because of their sin but almost as soon as adam and eve sinned and everything went wrong god who loves every single one of us here this morning so much and if you if you take nothing else away with you this morning remember this that god loves you with a passion And God, who loves every single one of us so much, announced his great rescue plan. Satan had just ruined everything. Sin had ruined everything. Adam and Eve had blown it. And then God steps in and he promises his great solution, his great answer to our sin, this great mess that we've got into. And before we start blaming Adam and Eve, the reality is each one of us would have done the same thing. Just after Adam and Eve sinned, God then stepped in and he, he spoke to Satan, who was still at that moment appearing in the form of a snake. And this is what God said to Satan about Eve. One of her descendants will crush your head and you will bite his heel. One of, your, one of her descendants will crush your head and you will bite his heel. A special descendant of Eve is going to come, God is saying, and there's going to be a confrontation between this special man, this special descendant of Eve, and Satan himself. God uses this picture of this special man stamping on the head of the snake to destroy it. But as he stamps on it, the snake bites his heel and the man is fatally wounded. And if we read on in the Bible, we discover that this special descendant of Eve's was none other than Jesus. God's son, God become a human being through the process of the miraculous virgin birth. This is a picture right at the beginning of time when sin enters the world. God immediately steps in and he said there's a solution. I've got a solution to this problem. And the solution he paints, he kind of uses this picture of the snake and of a man stamping on the snake's head. And it describes what Jesus would do when he came. It describes what he would do to Satan and what he would do to sin when he came. Jesus would crush Satan. Jesus would crush sin. Jesus would crush death, just like a person stamping on a snake's head to destroy it. But in doing so, Satan would bite Jesus, if you like, just like a snake can bite you on the heel. And in doing so, Jesus will be fatally wounded. Of course, it would cost him his own life as he hung there on the cross, dying in your place and my place. And using this picture language, God introduces his great rescue plan. He will send his son who will become a human being just like us, a physical descendant of Eves, and he will deal with Satan, and he would deal with sin, and he would deal with death once and for all. And for several thousand years, God continued to speak via his messengers. The Bible calls them prophets and provide more and more information on the visit of this, this special one, his one and only son himself, God himself, on this, pla- uh, on this visit to planet Earth. And, and just as over the last 18 months, we've had this kind of steady drip, drip, drip of texts and, and emails and phone calls from New Zealand, updates on the arrival of the family, which has generated more and more excitement. So God began to reveal more and more information about how he was going to come into this world in the person of his one and only son and deal with sin and satan in fact there's over well over 300 prophecies in the bible if you go through the old testament in the bible there are well over 300 prophecies written hundreds of years before jesus was born and that can all be proved historically and archaeologically as well well over 300 saying that this special person was coming saying that jesus was coming until many years later, God finally entered into this world in the person of Jesus. And through the miracle of the incarnation, God becoming a real human being, just like you and me, through the miracle of the virgin birth, God became a man. 750 years before Jesus was born, God spoke through a guy called Micah, a prophet in Israel. And this is what he said, But you, Bethlehem, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And 750 years later, the one Jesus who had always existed because he was God's son, God himself, and whose origins were therefore eternal, he was born there in Bethlehem, just as the prophecy had said. One of the many prophecies that God gave was through a man called Isaiah, another prophet writing about 700 years this time before Jesus was born. This is what it said, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel means God with us. That's what the word means, Emmanuel, God with us. This is gonna be God himself come as a human being. And the name he took was Jesus. That was the name that he was given. And the name Jesus simply means God saves, God saves. So he was God with us, the one who had come to save us. God with us and God saving. Jesus never ceased to be God. But the human nature that he took upon himself as he became a human being can be traced right back to Adam because he was one of Eve's descendants, we've read. It's recorded for us in the Bible. Every single generation is written down in the Bible for us. God spoke these words as well through Isaiah, again, about 700 years before Jesus was born. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And these messages from God, with more and more information uh, about his coming into the world, just kept on coming until eventually the the angels arrived and announced the wonderful news to Joseph and Mary. On Monday evening, the last message that was sent to Claire's phone arrived. And and by Wednesday morning, the family had arrived and had touched down at Newcastle Airport. The the long-awaited time was finally here. And the Bible says this, that when the time had fully come... God sent his son born of a woman when the time had fully come that the years of waiting were over when the time had fully come God sent his son born of a woman there were no more messages no more information because Jesus was here God with us Emmanuel and when the time had fully come the one that had been promised came and dealt with Satan came and dealt with sin and came and dealt with death and as Jesus laid down his life on the cross as he allowed himself to be crucified Satan struck and it seemed as if Satan won Jesus was dead Jesus was dying and he and he died on the cross he had struck Jesus heel just like the snake would bite someone's foot but what Satan didn't understand was that whilst Jesus was hanging in darkness there on the cross Jesus was taking the punishment for every wrong thing you have done and every wrong thing I have done he was doing that so that we wouldn't have to What Satan thought was his greatest victory was actually his greatest defeat. As Jesus dealt with our sins once and for all on the cross, every single one of us deserved God's wrath for our sins. God hates sin. It's an abomination to him. Disgusts him. And God has to punish sin. But God chose to punish Jesus instead of punishing you and me. Like a substitute coming on on a sporting field, Jesus was our great substitute. He took our place so that we don't have to face God's wrath. The Bible isn't just full of prophecies about Jesus' birth and his arrival into the world. It's also full of prophecies about his death. And God spoke these words through Isaiah again about 700 years before Jesus was born. He says, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented as a form of death, this verse was written and intimately and and with great detail describes Jesus' crucifixion. talks about him being pierced for our rebellion, for all the wrong things we've done. His hands and his feet and his sides pierced for us as he hung there on the cross. And Jesus dealt with Satan and Jesus dealt with sin and Jesus dealt with death when he died on the cross, but it cost him his own life. God's judgment on Jesus means that we don't have to face God's judgment. It means God's love and it means God's mercy and grace to us. And when Jesus hung on the cross and shouted out, it is finished, and then he bowed his head and died, it was because he had done what he'd come to do. His job was done. He dealt with sin once and for all, just like a snake is crushed when someone stamps on the head. And Satan's hold over humanity was defeated, and death was defeated, and sin was defeated. And as Jesus rose from the dead three days later, the final enemy of mankind, death. The one thing that everybody is terrified about. What was it that drove the, the craziness of COVID? The fear of death. Everybody, nobody wants to die. Jesus has destroyed the fear of death by rising from the dead. And death is no longer an issue if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. For those of us who've trusted in Jesus, who've surrendered our lives to him, God has removed our sins, they're all gone, and we can stand before God and face him face to face. And we've had our sins forgiven, we've got this amazing, wonderful relationship with God, the relationship that we were created to have, but that sin has got in the way of. And we can go to be with him forever, which means that we never need to fear death ever again. Death should never bother a Christian. Death is horrible, it's always nasty, it's always unpleasant. But death no longer needs to be the great enemy of humanity that it has been. It was great to welcome the arrival of the Reddings family to the UK on Wednesday, but the greatest arrival that this world has ever seen was when God sent his son into this world to save us. It's fantastic that Ronnie has put his faith and trust in Jesus. We've heard this morning how the Christmas story is no longer just a kind of nice story for kind of school kids. For Ronnie, it's now the center of his life. It now has real meaning for him. And, and as we count down the remaining seven days of this week until this time next week will be Christmas Day, I wonder this morning where Jesus fits into your life. Where does Jesus figure in your life? The whole, po- the whole point of Christmas is Jesus. It's Christmas. That's what, it, that's what it means. The whole point of Christmas is Jesus. Christmas is all about Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about Santa. It's not about presents or food. As fun as they are, It's all about Jesus. That's the whole point of it. If it wasn't for Jesus, there wouldn't be a Christmas. Three days after Jesus was crucified, the Bible tells us that he rose from the dead, conquering death, and he returned to heaven. And now there's a new countdown going on because Jesus has promised to come back. Jesus said these words to those who have trusted in him. He said, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus has promised to come back to take those who love him those who've trusted in him to be with him forever we don't know when he'll come again but jesus always does what he says he's going to do jesus never breaks a promise he makes because he is God and he can't lie he came the first time to bethlehem and he will come again to this world and that could even be today according to the bible we don't know when he's coming but what we do know is that every day is a day closer to the arrival of jesus second coming the question is this morning Will you be ready when Jesus comes again? Most of the world were not ready when Jesus came the first time. Very few people even realized he was here. Will you be ready when Jesus comes the second time? Christmas is all about baptisms. You might have thought, well, it's a kind of strange thing to do, to have a baptism in a Christmas service. But actually, that's what it's all about. The whole reason, the only reason Jesus came was to turn people's lives around to save them from sin. And baptism is a picture of that. We've acted that out this morning, and that's the only reason Christmas exists. It might be fun all the other stuff, but ultimately it's all just junk and rubbish, all the tinsel and all the nonsense that's filling my house and I can't move because of <laughs> tinsel and, and stuff. This is what it's all about, because Jesus came and Jesus transforms lives. And Jesus is now at the center of Ronnie's life, just as he is for many of us here this morning. And, and something else that's also really important to Ronnie is his sport. Ronnie's a great athlete. In fact, he's recently been selected for the New Zealand National Ultimate Frisbee team. And if you've ever seen Ultimate Frisbee, you'll know just how fit you really need to be to to, uh, compete in that. Not only have I been studying the Bible with Ronnie over the last 18 months, but he's also been benefiting from my fitness advice and sports (laughs) coaching. He he can see he kind of models himself on my physique. (laughs) It's not that funny, David. Bible says a number of times that following Jesus is a little bit like taking part in a sport or, or in running a race. Not a, not a kind of sprint but like a, a long distance race, a half marathon or even a marathon. I want to read a verse from the Bible for you and, and it's found in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 and Ronnie this is especially for you this morning Ronnie, it's been amazing to see you get baptized, to see you publicly declare your love for Jesus and to demonstrate to all of us here today what Jesus has done for you. But you didn't begin this race today. That happened about 18 months ago. But today has been about celebrating the fact that you've begun what the Bible kind of calls this long-distance race. The Bible likens our life to being like a long-distance race with Jesus as being the finishing line. And so, Ronnie, I want to challenge you and encourage you as you start out on the Christian life as a believer in Jesus and as one of his followers. These verses teach us that you are now being watched, along with all of us this morning who've trusted in Jesus, you're being watched by those who've gone before you, those who are now in heaven, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, people who, like your great Nan, gave her life to Jesus just about four or five days before she died at age 96 those that have gone before you are are like the crowd in the stadium in these verses they're like the crowd watching you and willing you on to keep going to, to, to to make it to the end to make it to the finishing line to keep following Jesus until you get to the end and because you're being watched from heaven and because you're also being watched from earth by and surrounded by those that you live with that you work with that you study with it's important that you run your race well These verses encourage the follower of Jesus to do two things in this long-distance race that is the Christian life. The first thing is to throw off everything that hinders. What are hindrances? Well, they're things that slow us down. They're not necessarily bad things. They're, They're just things that slow us down, they get in the way. They can be perfectly good things, in fact, but they can just slow us down and make it harder for us to keep going and following Jesus. And as we all know, no runner in a race wants something unnecessarily slowing them down. You don't want to kind of run with a big backpack on. That would be a crazy thing to do. And I don't know what the hindrances are that exist in your life. I know what they are in mine. But I want to encourage you and challenge you to identify those hindrances and then to do what the Bible says and throw them off. And be single-minded in your pursuit of Jesus. To get rid of them, to throw them off. Otherwise, you'll go through your Christian life never able to run as fast as you could. Never able to run as steadily and as well as you would be otherwise able to do. These verses also... Tell us to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. It's that kind of idea of trying to run along in a race through barbed wire or or rope. That would be really difficult to do. We're going to end up falling flat on our face. So, Ronnie, can I encourage you again and challenge you to throw off those sins in your life that will trip you up, that will slow you down, that will hinder you from living for Jesus? It's about being focused. It's about being determined. A real runner would never attempt to run a race carrying lots of things that were Unnecessary or attempt to run through bar wire—that would be a crazy thing to do. A real runner is disciplined, focuses on the task in hand, and makes sure that they can run with freedom and without obstacles. And that's what these verses call you to do. That's what I call all of us this morning who would love Jesus as our savior. And then these verses say to fix your eyes upon Jesus, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Life can be tough; it can be tough and difficult. Following Jesus in life is not a ticket to health, to wealth, or prosperity. And if anybody tells you it is, then they're lying to you. Following Jesus can be incredibly difficult. Probably for the majority of Christians throughout history, the majority of Christians on this earth this morning, life is really difficult. Lots of them are imprisoned, they're persecuted, they're being executed for their faith. We live in, in a safe country. You live in a safe country. But following Jesus is not always easy. It can be hard. It can be difficult. And when in your race of life things are tough and difficult, which they will be from time to time, these verses encourage you to focus on Jesus. Why? Because in a sense, Jesus has already run his race as a kind of example for you, as an example for the rest of us here on earth. Look at what this verse says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him... Who endured such opposition from sinful men? Jesus ran his race by fixing his eyes upon the joy that would be his when he'd finished his race. The joy of knowing that his death and resurrection would mean that he had taken the punishment for the sins of the world and had made it possible for us this morning to be forgiven, to have a relationship with God, and have eternal life. The joy ahead of him enabled Jesus to go through the pain and the suffering of the cross. It was the joy of knowing that you, Ronnie, would be here this morning that enabled Jesus to die on the cross. That was what enabled him to keep going. It was the joy of knowing that you would spend eternity with him, Ronnie, that that is what enabled Jesus to keep going through the utter horrific agony of being on that cross. So despite how terrible the cross was, the Bible says he scorned the shame. He almost laughed at it. He endured opposition from sinful men. He was buried, he rose again, ascended into heaven, and now this morning is at God's right hand. And one day, and it might even be today, he's going to return to take you to be with him forever, along with all those who've trusted in him. These verses encourage you to fix your eyes upon Jesus so that when life is difficult and when life is tough, you will remember that Jesus himself has lived a life of incredible difficulty, suffering, and pain. And he lived that life so that you could be forgiven, could be saved from hell, could have a relationship with God, and could spend eternity with him. So fix your eyes upon Jesus, Ronnie. Focus upon him so that you won't grow weary, that you won't lose heart. Get rid of all the stuff in life that gets in the way of living for Jesus day by day. Ronnie, this is your race. Nobody else can run it for you. They can help you, but only you can run this race. And I want to encourage you today to go on and live for God and do great things for him. Jesus turned the world upside down with 12 men. Imagine what he could do through you if you let him do that in and through you. But only you can do that. To run your race and to focus upon Jesus day by day. And, and, and when you stumble and when you fall and when you get tired and you will, remember that Jesus will always pick you up and help you back on the way. And, and what is true for Ronnie is, of course, true for all of us here this morning who are believers in Jesus and have put our faith and trust in him. Jesus came the first time to deal with Satan, to deal with sin, to deal with hell, to deal with death. So that we could have our sins forgiven as he died there on the cross. So that we could be forgiven and have an eternal relationship with him. And as we get ready for Christmas, seven days time from now, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, then what better time to take that step than this morning? What better time to do that than as we approach Christmas? To do what Ronnie has done, to follow his example. Jesus is coming again and for those who have trusted in him it will be the greatest party in the history of the universe far greater than any Christmas party far greater than any office party or any family party and as much as I am really looking forward to squeezing 14 people around my dining room table next Sunday I'm looking forward even more to spending eternity with Jesus in heaven at that great party that will go on forever but as we wait for Jesus return let's make sure we're ready his arrival it would be tragic wouldn't it to not be ready when Jesus comes again and let's make sure that we're fixing our eyes on Jesus let's get rid of the things in life that slow us down and get in the way of living for him